The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield on 702. Let's walk the talk on 92.7 and 106 FM. Welcome to The Money Show this Friday evening. It's brought to you by ABSA Business Banking. ABSA Business Banking, of course, is our key sponsor on The Money Show this evening. We're going to talk about the American jobs miracle. We're going to be talking this evening about the critical egg shortage and just how serious the problem is and what some retailers are considering doing. We also this evening will pick up with Paul Teron, the Managing Director of Vestact. Uh, Birkenstock, I don't know if you've ever had a pair of Birkenstocks. People I know who have worn Birkenstocks and people I know who know them have told me because I don't talk to people. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. We love Birkenstocks. Um, but I wonder whether it's worth buying the shoes or the shares. That's what we're looking at this evening on our Money Show Explainer. Friday File, the Brutal Biz Quiz, the best bits of the Money Show. There is so much yet to come this evening on the Money Show. And of course, the best bits tonight focusing extensively on some of the big stories of the week, uh, including the fact that uh, Pick and Pay has got a brand new chief executive. Sean Summers uh, started the week as the new chief executive of Pick and Pay. I wonder how that first week has gone, whether riot acts have been read, whether people are quaking in their boots, whether they've got butterflies in their pants. Uh, I wonder all about that this evening here on The Money Show. If you are one of those people and you want to let us know, you can, of course, send us an SMS. You can tweet us. You can also give us a call. You know the numbers. 702. Bruce is on The Money Show. America is very good at many, many things. And at the moment, it is one massive jobs factory. And it's brilliant for them, but it's not great for the rest of us. Why? I'll explain. The U.S. added 336,000 new jobs in September alone. That was far more than expected. And what it's doing is, once again, fueling investor anxieties that interest rates are going to stay higher for longer. What we've got in the United States is 10-year borrowing costs. They're now at their highest level since 2007. What happened was leisure and hospitality added nearly 100,000 jobs. The government added 73,000 jobs and healthcare 41,000. Huge employment happening in the United States. The unemployment rate in the U.S. now at 3.7%. The U.S. Fed, of course, is under pressure to raise interest rates in November. That's going to pile pressure on our Reserve Bank and many others around the world to do the same because the fear of inflation is the one thing that is keeping us from cutting interest rates and getting some stimulus into the market. So we are Certainly not out of the woods yet, not by a long stretch. But I do love a perspective from probably the world's oldest active investor, 99-year-old Charlie Munger, business partner of nearly as old as him, Warren Buffett. Charlie Munger says, if I could be optimistic at 99, surely the rest of you can handle a little inflation. I hate the day-to-day machinations. I really do. Unfortunately, they are what is driving sentiment and volatility in markets at the moment, which is why we keep talking about it. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield on 702. 702. When you've got a family member with an egg allergy, you very quickly realize that that stuff is everywhere in prepared food, manufactured foods, from pasta to baked goods, biscuits and cakes, and in some incredibly unlikely places. The proteins, for example, you'll find in salty crackers or all sorts of things that you think are safe to give to a kid with an egg allergy. 
when their face puffs up, you realize, oops, there must have been egg in there. Uh, Spa today saying it's considering egg imports if the shortages which are afflicting South Africa continue. Spa saying it's potentially going to import eggs from other Southern African countries because of the worst outbreak of bird flu hitting egg supplies and of course threatening the supply of chicken meat as well. We're grappling with the the outbreak of this massively pathogenic avian influenza, the HPAI. It's a bird flu which is rapidly spreading through flocks around the country and we've spoken to a number of chicken producers all about this but yeah, it's really beginning to have an impact. Uh, Grocery retailers like Pick pay and Woolies are already limiting the number of eggs you can buy. I don't know if you've been in and you've gone, hello, could I have two dozen eggs, please, for my big family breakfast this weekend? And they've looked at you as if you've wanted to rob the tills or something. Uh, let's talk to Jovan Besta. Jovan is the group executive chef at the Fornos Bakery Group. We thought it'd be interesting to talk to you, Jovan, because everything you produce, practically everything you produce, except from the bread, as far as I can tell, has got at least an element of egg in it. So you guys getting a little bit concerned? Yes, we are. But we have buffered ourselves a little bit. So as soon as we started realizing that there is going to be an egg shortage, we started contacting all of our suppliers that do eggs for us. We do close to 32,000 eggs that we use per week. So out of our top 20 items, 11 items in there uses eggs in some way. We started stockpiling a few of the items, specifically not just the eggs, chicken also. So we've upped where we would normally keep a week's worth of eggs. We ensure that we've got two weeks' worth of eggs to ensure that our stalls can actually continue baking. Part of that also is we've seen that we need to start innovating in a few of the products. Specifically, if you look at our pastas, the nuts and cheesecakes, they use copious amounts of eggs. The only way we can get around that is to cut down on some of the products that has high egg volume and actually start focusing on products that does not use that amount of eggs and start innovating on new products that we can actually start pushing. But if you look at the amount of eggs that we're using, just a single rant, because we've had a total of, I believe it's about a 65% increase in eggs that we keep in the place or that we buy it at. And a random three cents that we buy or that's extra is a lot of money on our bottom line at the end of the day. Now, absolutely. So not only do you have an inflation problem when it comes to such a core ingredient of which you use 32,000 and 11 out of the top 20 things you sell within uh, Fornos has got egg in it. Uh, the idea of substituting egg, and I've been through this process and it's agonizing because you look at recipes and, oh, he has an egg substitute. It's just never the same. And particularly when you're baking commercially, if there were substitutes that were any good, well, you'd probably bake that way anyway. The reason we use eggs is because of the, they're critical for raising, they're critical for enriching, they're critical for binding. They've just got so many elements in them that, of course, are pivotal to creating, you know, everything from cakes and biscuits to, to pies and pie crusts. Definitely. We are exploring different things that we can use, but... I mean, if you look at it, we're a bakery. Most, most of the time, we are active from 6 o'clock in the morning till about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon where most of our customers come in. And most of our sales are coming from there. So, yes, certain items we can exchange or look for different things that we can use. Like, 
utilizing our croissants. That's one of our best sellers, the chocolate croissants. But how can you have a full English breakfast and there's no eggs on the plate? So we are no, buffering I'm, it. Yeah, no, look, you, you, you're going to have to hustle like nothing you've ever hustled before, Giovanna. We wish you luck with it. Uh, and it's interesting, isn't it, when you've got businesses that are so heavily dependent on a single commodity like an egg. Um, Jovan Besta is the group executive chef at Fornos. They use 32,000 eggs every single week across the group. 11 out of their top 20 sellers uh, depend on egg. And if you've ever tried to substitute egg in a recipe, you know it's not the same. So when you've got a commercial bakery like that, nobody wants to have stuff that is not made properly. Um, we also chatted to Chef David Higgs from Marble, um, and we said to him, how worried are you? And I don't think they've got a huge breakfast trade, but they would also have egg in many of their desserts and lots of the things that they produce. Um, David Higgs is quite chilled. He's saying the supplier's been looking after them, so they're in good hands there. Not everybody's going to run into trouble. Not everybody's going to have a crisis, and certainly as a household, you'll probably manage to overcome the shortages in in the short term. Uh, but yeah, certainly much of the stuff that you like, many of the treats that you like are heavily dependent on eggs. And it is going to have a knock-on effect throughout the, the, the food system. And as prices go up, of course, the inflationary pressure on very tight margins also goes through the roof as well. Viv Governor, our market commentator this evening, we'll chat to him further about those US jobs numbers and why those are so frightfully important. Also some really interesting moves over the week that has been in terms of share price uh, fluctuations too. Uh, we'll pick up on those stories tonight. And our guest this evening on our Friday file, it's a fragrant Friday file this evening. It is a Friday file focused very firmly. Have I got enough F's in there? Do I need another one? No, no more F's required. Thank you, producers. Uh, we have got our Friday file, and that is going to be with somebody called Debbie Funsale, who is in a very tightly contested space. I always find it interesting when people create something new, and it may be spectacular, it may be wonderful, but I don't know how you compete against the imports and the global brands when you are in the fragrance business in South Africa. These are household fragrances, the, the room diffusers, the candles, those sorts of things, the spritzes and the sprays, the things that make rooms feel like hotel rooms, posh hotel rooms, that is. Um, we'll talk about that with her coming up later on. Uh, the Money Show Explainer this evening, it's all about Birkenstock and the initial public offering of Birkenstock. They've been around for a long time, Birkenstock Shoes. Finally, an opportunity for you to invest in the company that makes them. The initial public offering, the IPO, happening in the United States next week. Not sure what they are. Well, they, those German sandals, they've got a quite a thick rubber sole, which is glued to a cork base, which wearers of Birkenstocks swear by. They're traditionally seen as hippie shoes, cork and, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a hippie trend. They've got a strap across the bridge of your foot. They're not the epitome of cool, or are they? Should you be buying, okay, let's get cut to the chase. Should you be buying your family shares in the company, or should you be buying however many pairs of the super comfortable shoes the share price suggests you should be buying to help us, that dedicated follower of fashion himself? Uh, Paul Teron, who is the Managing Director of Vestact. Have you ever owned a pair of Birkenstocks, Paul? Nope, I have not, Bruce, but I can tell you the rest of my family does, including my 29-year-old son, my wife, my uh, daughter, etc., etc. So they clearly got something so right. There is definitely something that the rest of us are missing out on here. Super comfort, and I'm sure 
They are the exception to the rule that makes those shoes look cool. It's got a $10 billion listing in the United States uh, happening next week. Are you going yep. to be encouraging your clients to put money into the company or are you going to tell them rather to be like other members of your family and put the feet in the shoes instead? <laughs> Well, I'm not an avid consumer, but I'm definitely an avid investor. I mean, it does have a fascinating story. It certainly got the provenance. As you say, Bruce's been around a long time, a real long time, 250 years. Since before company. the American Revolution, actually. I mean, 1774, yeah. the Germans started making these things, yeah. Exactly, with those contoured sort of insoles, which were originally designed as an orthopedic assist for people that had funny feet. Uh, I think everything changed though, in 2021 when a private equity fund called L. Catterton, which is a bit of a funny name, but it's an offshoot of LVMH, you know, the French uh, luxury giant, basically bought the company from the founding family, which by then was a bit dissipated, for $4.8 billion. They immediately uh, hiked prices. They launched a bunch of new shoes, and they also started these collaborations with fashion houses. So they've definitely worked on the sort of cool factor. Uh, you know, brands like Manolo Blahnik and Jill Sander and some of done collaborations. Barbie wore them, a pink pair in the recent Barbie movie. Now they're planning the IPO, as you say, and the PE guys are doing what PE guys do, private equity guys do, and that's they're pushing it onto the market at double the value they paid a mere two years ago. But, I mean, I think they could do well. Uh, they obviously are uh, positioning it at the sort of top end of the luxury market. You know, it's the odd brand which does appeal to, you know, multi-generational customers. They're fashionable and so on and so forth. And there is a general uh, trend, rather, in women's shoes away from heels towards flat soles, I'm told, partly to do with COVID and casual dressing and all the rest of it. So, I mean, I think it could do okay, although the market isn't all that conducive to new listings at the moment. You know, we've had a cuddle of uh, tough weeks. Uh, Arm, that chip maker from the UK, didn't do all that well. Instacart didn't do all that well. So it's generally not a great idea to chase these things on the first days. If it was me, I'd say, if you're keen on them, let's wait a couple of quarters, see how the results are, you know, see whether they can maintain their sales growth and the margins, uh, their expansion, and so on and so forth. So if you've got $1,000 burning a hole in your pocket, rather buy a couple of pairs for your family. Enjoy the comfort, at least in the summer months, of having Birkenstocks on your feet. And if it looks like a worthwhile investment six months from now, then perhaps by then you would have saved up another $1,000 and you can pop some money into, into the uh, investment itself if you kind of regard the shoes as being having longevity, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, look, I mean, personal wear and fashion items is definitely an interesting investment arena. You know, you've got plenty of choices there too. From the megalithic giants like LVMH, which gives you jewelry, it gives you booze, it gives you leather wear and so on. Probably the most important or uh, most successful luxury goods company currently is Hermes, the French company, which is really doing super well. Uh, you know, there's obviously CFR, our beloved uh, company, Richemont, as a possible option, mm -hmm. but that's more jewelry. If you want to be in the sort of, uh, you know, specialist clothing, I think you might want to look at stocks like Lululemon or Nike, which are kind of bigger. I think the key challenge, as some journalists have been saying this week, is will Birkenstock end up being compared to the likes of Lululemon and trade on a very high price to earnings ratio was going to end up like Crocs or Doc Martens, which, you know, kind of seen as not commodity items, but, you know, interesting side stories with a long road to walk.
so to speak. Well, if you're going to have a long road to walk, you might as well be wearing a pair of Crocs or a pair of Birkenstocks. So they're terribly comfortable, but not comfortable in a portfolio, says Paul Teron. Thank you, Paul Teron, Managing Director of Vestact. Everybody in his family cooler than he. Uh, and he's not buying the shares either. Neither the shoes nor the shares for Paul Teron, but doesn't mind that the rest of his family is well shod in Birkenstock. Listing on the New York Stock Exchange next week in a fairly hostile environment to investing. Let's talk to Fifth Governor, catch up with him in a moment on today's markets. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield is brought to you by APSA Business Banking with Green Asset Finance to help you invest in solar installation with terms from five to seven years. APSA is a registered FSP. The Money Show. The Markets. What a turgid, torrid, turbulent week it has been, Viv Governor, Portfolio Manager at Rand Swiss. At least this Friday has been a little less awful uh, than the rest of the week seems to have been. Oh, and I should really put you on the radio as well to talk to you. Um, you need to go from okay. yellow into pink on my screen, and you are. There you are. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it was an interesting uh, week. Uh, I mean, at the end, I think uh, the biggest number of the week was the non-farm payroll stuff from the U.S. And that came out, again, uh, in an almost inexplicable fashion, showing that though we still have quite strong uh, job growth in the U.S., uh, significantly above what's required for population growth, uh, the workers seem to be rather timid about asking for wage increases because their wages have not increased by inflation for quite some time. Uh, that's quite an encouraging signal, isn't it? I mean, although I know what 336,000 jobs were created and there's huge demand for labor in the United States market, the fact that wage increases are remaining fairly muted is perhaps the saving grace for the ongoing mantra of inflation, uh, jobs creating inflation, inflation creating higher interest rates, higher interest rates being higher for longer. May we see that cycle being broken as a result of low wage inflation, perhaps? Perhaps, I mean, but it's an unusual uh, dynamic. I mean, I was thinking the sort of stuff we're seeing around the UAW, auto workers, etc., asking for 30-40% wage increase was the start of a new pattern. But uh, or UPS recently asking for, I think, uh, getting quite a nice little wage increase as well there. Uh, but, you know, wages are the way that uh, you know, temporary inflation turns into permanent inflation. Because all prices go up and down, like we saw this week, from 95 down to 85. But you don't see wages falling 10% in a few weeks or even over any time. Uh, and it's a dramatic slowdown in the economy. Wages tend to go up and stay at whatever level they are and only increase over time. So, yeah. That's the important figure. I think next week's CPI number for the U.S. is also going to be a key indicator. If we see CPI basically you know, coming in a bit lower, uh, I'd consider what this number in terms of wage inflation look like. I don't think the Fed was going to be as keen as people think to you know, raise the uh, suit. I think what, what worries us most sitting at the southern tip of Africa right here is we've got a very jittery monetary policy committee at the at the Reserve Bank. They are worried about inflation expectations. They're worried about rising prices. We see everything from municipal rates bills to petrol prices to all of the stuff that we can't control going up in price. And that's pushing up our own inflation once again. We've gone from, you know, desperate to fairly comfortable to slowly rising once again. And I'm wondering just how much longer our Reserve Bank will be able to resist pressure to raise rates domestically. What's your thought? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, we in South Africa are, you know, basically very vulnerable. And they always, I always use the example of Turkey for this, uh, you know, comparison. Turkey is a big economy for us, and their currency weakened by 600% over the last six, seven years or so. 600% over the last time. It's like us going from basically 20 now to 120 
before the year uh, 2030, basically. That's a huge weak leak. And like I said, that is because they did not do what the market wanted as a central bank in terms of raising interest rates. So the central, so our reserve bank has to be you know, cognizant about that fact. Uh, you talk about petrol, uh, we talked about, you know, uh, municipal rates, etc. you know, tools, uh, you know, administrative uh, costs, and such like electricity and so on. Uh, don't forget about uh, chicken and eggs, which are now, you know, becoming almost Absolutely. the of gold. And, and that's also another issue that uh, that's obviously going to be out of the, the uh, control of the Reserve Bank. And uh, obviously, uh, it's going to probably make quite an ugly inflation figure in the next time you look at it. Yeah, thank you, Viv Governor. Line not great to us this evening, but thank you for joining us. Viv Governor, Portfolio Manager at Rand Swiss. Uh, we did see those U.S. jobs numbers come out. The market actually responded fairly positively. And I think on to Viv's point, because wage rates are not going up to the extent you might expect with imp- uh, with unemployment as low as it is, people are not demanding the mega increases, other than some isolated cases, of course. Uh, but the overall market up 407 points, half a percent stronger on the day. The Rand improved just a little bit. Uh, when we are uh, done with Veronica Mahwadi with Eyewitness News and Traffic and Sport, uh, I want to tell you tales about Taylor Swift, the remarkable, the extraordinary, the exceptional Taylor Swift, who continues to blow me away, not because of just her musical prowess and her show personship and her ability to draw mega crowds, but her brain works in wonderful ways from a business perspective. I'll tell you some tales about that coming up in the next half hour. Eyewitness News now brought to you by Khaliks. Khaliks for the businessman who knows what he wants. Here's Veronica Mahwadi with Eyewitness News just gone half past six. You're with Bruce Whitfield on 702. 702. Welcome to The Money Show, brought to you by APSA Business Banking with green asset finance solutions to keep businesses powered up. APSA is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's, of course, as always, with most things, do apply. I promise to tell you about Taylor Swift and her remarkable, remarkable business brain. Her break with the traditional music industry was massive, and the way in which she runs her enterprise is second to none. Her recent era's twerb is already breaking records everywhere, and now uh, the era's tour concert film is a blockbuster as well. And here's the thing, it's not even in cinemas yet. Distributor AMC AMC, Alpha Mike Charlie, not the other guys. The AMC uh, says global advanced ticket sales have topped $100 million. $100 million. And it's still a week away from opening. It took less than 24 hours for the movie to beat its record for the highest one-day sales. That makes it the most profitable concert film in history. It overtakes and whips Justin Bieber's Never Say Never. And here's the most amazing bit. The tour isn't even over yet. She's only got halfway through her world tour. It's scheduled to continue until late 2024, yet she's releasing a movie about the tour so far. So confident is she that people will turn up to the stadium anyway once they've seen the performance on the film. Then, sure, she'll enhance the performance even more. But it'll become this great billboard and this wonderful idea that you can have this multimedia existence, that you can make money not only from your physical performance, but by recording your performance and putting that into the public domain and still having the confidence to go back out into the public domain with a similar tour to what you reflect in the movie is nothing short of astounding. It really is. She is courageous. She is remarkable. And she has a brand equity that other artists would would kill for but she's created it herself without doubt she has been 
nothing short of remarkable. On your next Money Show, Paul Nixon, who's the head of behavioral finance at Momentum Investments on how he makes money. Uh, Trend translator Bronwyn Williams will review Mills Sokol, Ray Hartley and Greg Mills's latest book, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly Scenarios for the Future. And we've got uh, tech with Toby, Toby Shack, Shack, the chief at Stuff Studios, all about tech and gadgets and making your life better with technology. That's all next time on The Money Show. The Money Show. The Friday File. The Friday File. Uh, we've also got our Brutal Biz Quiz coming up in a couple of minutes' time and the best bits of The Money Show between 7 and 8. But first, let's chat to Debbie Van Sale. Debbie is the founder, owner, and, of course, at B-Earth SA. And I find it so interesting, Debbie, that you have found a gap in what I would think is quite an overtraded market. And this um, this market of home fragrances, of these beautiful candles and infusers and diffusers and sprays and beautiful things um, that global companies create, that more and more local companies are created, and you somehow have found a niche. How did you find a niche in a, quite a cluttered space? Hi there, Bruce. Thank you so much for um, just having me. That's very true. It is quite a busy space. Um, but I tried many products on the market and somehow they always fell short. And although my criteria and my standard was very simple. So what actually happened is I wanted to make a superb quality product, a product which is natural, sustainable and not harmful, a product which is aesthetically um, beautiful and also a product that is affordable. So um, then Be Earth was manifested and born on the first, first of March just last year. Okay, so you're brand new. I mean, you've, you've, how, how have oh. you landed? How have you managed to, to break into the market? I think um, by being um, just true, true to myself, true to the band, brand that I'm, I'm busy creating, um, I think we are all um, a bit tired of cookie cutter and um, like in, yeah, I think just being real and true to, to something. And we um, try and use absolutely best ingredients and we source locally first. And, um, but if we do not get it, yeah, we, we do. You go abroad. So, um, yes. <laughs> um, talk to me about what you did before. Well, I mean, what's your background? Do you have a background in fragrance? Oh, Are you somebody who grew up with potpourri and granny's lounge? Or what, what motivated you? Uh, yes, as um, every South African girl, I did grow up with potpourri. And, <laughs> um, but I have loved fragrances from the word go. Um, I um, studied, I had a corporate career, and I went on early retirement just last year. Just um, also what my brand stands for is being kind to yourself. And I wanted to be in a space where I actually was kind to myself, where I was living what I was believing. I was living and manifesting what I was dreaming. So, yes. Um, and and your distribution, where, where do people find you? Is it all an online offering? Have you managed to break into the boutiques, into the hotels? Have you managed to get um, your, your products out? Yes, I have. So um, currently we are running um, a campaign um, where we are hunting for agents. Um, we do have our products on offer um, in certain areas 
locations, um, spas. Um, you can find us on our website. Can I can I just give it everything? Everything very, you can find. Very us? very briefly, yeah. abuse the platform. Abuse the platform. Okay. Wow, <laughs> Thank you so much, Bruce. Um, okay, so that will be on um, b-e-a-r-t-h.co.za. On Facebook, that will be just b-earth, hyphen, and also on Instagram. Absolutely. Debbie, thank you very much indeed. Debbie Fancel, the founder-owner at B-Earth S-A. Fragrances, a very, very competitive and cluttered market our brutal biz quiz this evening lots of time for you to play tonight i am looking forward to your participation i would like your participation as a matter of fact i insist i demand that you participate because we've got fabulous questions for you this evening and i would like you to play on o double one eight eight three oh seven oh two oh two one four four six oh five six seven uh retailers are rationing which breakfast protein there is a shortage of a very common breakfast protein Retailers are being forced at the moment to ration that breakfast protein. Which breakfast protein is being rationed? Give us a call this evening on 021-446-0567-011-883-0702 and come and play the Brutal Biz Quiz. 702. Bruce is on The Money Show. Good. Lots of you coming through this evening. Wonderful to see you all. Don't run away. Don't get scared. Don't be afraid. Don't be frightened. We're going to play the Brutal Biz Quiz this evening. Retailers being forced to ration which breakfast protein staple? Harishida this evening. Uh, which breakfast staple is being rationed? It's the eggs. Eggs is absolutely correct, yes. Harishida, 100%. Department of Agriculture, Land Reform, Rural Development looking far and wide for eggs to help ease the country's shortage. We heard from the chief chef at Fornos this evening just describing that 11 out of 20 of their top sellers have got egg in them. They use 32,000 eggs every week and they're scrambling. You know what I mean. Um, Alan Pullinger is vacating the job where? Which job is Alan Pullinger leaving, Harishida? Um, say consulting. Consulting? That'll be, uh, that, uh, try one more time. Finance consulting. Finance consulting? No, don't cheat, guys. This isn't a team effort. This is individual. It's individual. Don't cheat. We don't like that. It's not nice. It's not fair. It's not right. At Seppo and Boxburg, as a solo player this evening, Alan Pullinger is leaving which top job? Um, it's the finance sector, CEO in the finance sector. It is in the finance sector. Yes, it's in the finance sector. We've established that, Seppo. Uh, can you be a bit more specific? The finance sector is a very big sector. CEO. Pardon? He's leaving the job as a CEO. I know he's leaving the job as a CEO, Tsepo, but we're, we're not getting to the nub of the issue. Which job as CEO? Because, yes, we talk to lots of CEOs. Mike in Mulder's Drift, we have established that it's a finance sector job, that it's a CEO job, and Mike is running for the hills in Mulder's Drift. He's decided, mate, I'm not answering that question. It's quite interesting because this guy's been the CEO of this particular business for the last five years. Quite a low-profile CEO, it would seem. Uh, Luvuko in Pretoria. He's leaving, Alan Punja is leaving as chief executive of which financial institution, Luvuko? 
Uh, RMB is incorrect, I'm afraid, Lavoko. This is the Brutal Biz Quiz, not the sweet, friendly, charming, lovely, light and fluffy Biz Quiz. RMB is part of the stable. I'll give you that much, but I'm afraid on Brutal Biz Quiz rules, uh, not RMB. Uh, Bilal in Bedford View. Uh, first round. First round. Oh, I'm exhausted, Bilal. We, we got there eventually. We went round the houses. Yes, RMB is part of the first round group, but that's not the question. He's leaving a CEO of which bank? First round. He's being replaced, Bilal, by whom? Mary Vilakazi. Mary Vilakazi, absolutely good. Let's see how well you've been listening this week. Jacques Salier is leaving as chief executive of FNB. Who will replace him? Uh, the name just escaped me now. Is it um, Harry Keller? My, no, no, Bilal. Bilal, Bilal, Bilal. I'm, I'm making up questions as we go along because I'm just diving in deep into your knowledge of first round. You're a bit of a first round stalker, as it turns out. You're 100% right. Um, <laughs> I've ignored the script. Uh, the National Economic Development and Labour Council is better known as what? National Economic and? The National Economic Development and Labour Council. You know how much we love acronyms in South Africa. The National Economic mm -hmm. Development and Labour Council is better known as? NEDLAC. NEDLAC is absolutely right. Uh, Natalie Singer from BUSA was uh, who's on the Ned Lank Unemployment Insurance Fund subcommittee, just says we need to shut the place down. We need to put it into administration. It's a shambles. That's her view anyway. Uh, the Danish brewer, so a Danish brewing company, has finally ended license agreements for its brands in Russia. What is the name of that Danish brewing company? Definitely not Heineken. So I have it's no idea. It's definitely not Heineken because that is Dutch and that would be wrong on that basis. But because you've done so well so far, Bilal, I'm going to give you one go to tell me not who it isn't, but who it is. <laughs> uh, no idea. No idea. It's the beer that reaches parts of you that other beers just By can't way, reach. I think that... No, oh no, that reaches parts of you, certainly, that you don't want to. Anyway, Bilal, let's not go there. Uh, thank you, Bilal, very much indeed for playing this evening. You've been a fabulous contestant, but I'm afraid uh, fallen at the brewery hoop. Uh, Karan in Krugersdorp, which beer maker from Denmark is leaving Russia? I think it's Stella Artoi. Stella Artoi is Stella Artois. It's from Belgium. So, no, I'm afraid not. Uh, Punza in Joburg. I'm Heineken. <laughs> Heineken is Dutch. No, I'm afraid not. Mohammed in Benoni, you better not know the answer to this question. Which brewer is leaving, uh, is leaving Russia? Yeah, you're right. Mohammed wouldn't know and he shouldn't know. It's <laughs> just Bruce. Um, I think you're allowed to know the answer to the question, though, as long as you don't sample the product. Um, which Danish brewer is leaving Russia? Uh, and now the bush, I think. I don't know. No, 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 no. Oh, we've got you, we've got you, we've got you. I love this part. So we've had lots of questions this evening, and you've been playing masterfully, but I finally may have got Got you. I may have got you. I like to get you, by the way. Uh, Karen in Krugersdorp. Yes, it's me again. We were Castle Bruce. 
What, which 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 bear is pulled out of Russia? Uh, I said it was Stella Artoi. No, and I told you you were wrong. Uh, oh, because it's uh, Stella. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Sorry. And also, just just in case you go to a bar and you ask for a Stella Artoi and they look at you funny, car, and even in Krugersdorp, um, you just call it Stella Artois. It's very posh because it's Belgian. Um, but thank you. Um, so I, have I got you this evening? I mean, there are not too many Danish brewers, are there? Uh, I think their payoff line was reaches parts that other beers just don't reach. I think that was them. Um, very nice beer. And uh, this particular brewer has retaliated against what it describes as Moscow's illegitimate takeover of its Russian breweries in July. So it went, you take my breweries, I take my brands away from you. What is the name of this particular brewer? Uh, and you've got three seconds. Uh, my, oh, Mike, I think you may have destroyed my mojo. Which brewer is it? Mike? Hi, it's Carlsberg. Carlsberg. It has Absolutely. to be. It's the only Carlsberg. Danish brewery I can think of. Yeah, exactly. That's the only one that I know. Um, and yes, ah. it's the biggest one in Denmark. So you're absolutely right. Peter Boone um, is leaving which retailer, Mike? Um, gee, um, I'm trying it's summertime to... summertime at this think. particular it's retailer. Not, Maybe um, summer's it, time. Summer's time at me? this particular retailer and Mr. Boone is going. Sorry, I couldn't hear you there. I said it's summer's time at this particular uh, retailer, and this uh, chief executive of the retailer is leaving. Mr. Boone is leaving which retailer? Uh, gee, I don't know. I'm sorry. Don't apologize, Mike. Say sorry to your family and to your friends for embarrassing them. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you didn't embarrass yourself. Uh, very quickly, Sia in Bryanston. Hi, Bruce. It's Pick and Pay. Absolutely right, Sia, which means we're out of time. And you, therefore, stumped me at the last moment. Peter Boone's lovely guy stepping down as chief executive of Pick and Pay. Sean Summers returning after time in the wilderness. Brings us to the end of the first hour of this evening's edition of The Money Show. There are still the best bits of The Money Show to come. Stay tuned for that this Friday evening. Bruce Whitfield on The Money Show. 6 to 8 p.m.